Congratulations, you found episode one of the Cycle Talk podcast for November 21st, 2012. My name's Robert. And my name is John. In this episode of Cycle Talk, it's all about off-season training to improve your speed on the bike. That's right, Robert. In this episode, we will discuss off-season training plans, including weightlifting for cyclists and yoga. We'll also talk about technology that we feel will improve your cycling experience and help you track your routes, calories, and miles ridden on the bike. And finally, we have some movie and reading recommendations for you. All that and more on this episode of the Cycle Talk Podcast. Thanks again for joining John and I for episode one of the Cycle Talk Podcast. Today's show will be divided into two parts. First, John and I will discuss off-season training. Then we will present part one of our feature interview with Laura from frayedlaces.blogspot.com. Laura is an Ironman triathlete with an incredible talent for speed on the bike. Hey, John, so tell the listeners out there a little bit about yourself. Yeah, Robert, be glad to do that. Um, I'm 41 years old, hit the big 4-0 last, uh, last year, so started cycling when I was 37, got interested in mountain biking, and the year after that started road biking and really, really fell in love with that. It's my passion. I really enjoy biking a lot, would rather do that just than just about any other thing, um, have gone through a lot of things uh, in my short cycling career, what not to do this year, and uh, focusing more on training in preparation for possibly racing next season. So um, just love the sport, love everything about it, hope to do it the rest of my natural life. So what about you? Well, I, I'm very close to you. You know, I hadn't been cycling for very long, and uh, I, there's there's nothing in my life I've done that I enjoy more than cycling as a hobby. You know, I I uh I started out just in February, so I'm I'm not even at a year yet. Uh but one thing that I the one of the reasons I wanted to begin this podcast is because I listen to other podcasts on iTunes and read books and there's not a lot of out there that's very specific on how to improve on the bike. You know, I joined a, a cycling team near our location and I'm excited to to compete next year uh competed in two races last year but the focus of this podcast is for just the need out there with a lot of cyclists there's just not a lot of information out there that's extremely specific on training plans and that will guide you through to go from being just a you know a weekend cyclist to a, a weekend racing cyclist to improve to get faster on the bike, uh, so that that's the main reason I wanted to start this podcast. Since you only started in February, you really made some incredible gains. You know, a lot of time on the bike was uh, doing some weightlifting now, and it's it's really exciting to see your progress. But, uh, hopefully, we can give some specific information that will help people know how to progress, but also do it in a in a wise way and and possibly faster than you can go by just ride, ride, ride. You know, the old, um, the old advice that people used to have, just ride more <laughs> may or may not work. Maybe some things you can do differently. 
Well, John and I haven't known, like he said, we've only known each other for about two months. And I've only cycled since February, but this podcast, I kind of hoped, uh, would follow the both of us through our first racing, full racing season, uh, because the old adage of just ride lots of miles and log lots of miles, that what I've discovered is that doesn't make you faster. That what it does is it makes you in, be able to endure lots of miles, but it doesn't give you the ability to ride faster over those miles. And so we, we, you and I have kind of been on a quest to discover from different, very good cyclists and even doctors, what do you do to improve? And I think we've got some good advice for people out there. So the first uh, topic for today is just kind of some off-season training. John, what are some things you're doing maybe from November 1st to January 1st to improve your speed on the bike for the coming season? Yeah, um, I, this this time around, uh, like I said, this is going to be my, I guess, my fourth winter now in, in biking, and I'm doing some things differently this year. Um, what I'm what I'm doing differently this time, I'm just enjoying having fun on the bike. I try to push myself hard on the bike. In fact, I did that for the first couple of years of road riding. I thought the only way to get faster was just to go out there and ride as fast as you can and do it for as long as you can, and I didn't have any structure. Um, this year, I'm taking a different approach, going to be doing – I'm really going to have an off-season this time. So I've been riding for pleasure, for fun, keeping it slower pace. You know, I might be anywhere from 15 to 18 miles an hour, whereas in the summertime, it would uh, be a, a little bit faster pace. But uh, that, that's what I'm, I'm doing this time. Also starting some weightlifting. Just begun a program at the first of this month, basic weightlifting. In fact, we've got a, a book that I think we're going to talk about weightlifting for cyclists and doing the uh, program in that. And I've seen some improvements just in strength, particularly in uh, the core exercises that, that I've done. really makes a difference in the comfort level on the bike with the back not getting sore, shoulders and neck being stronger as well. So I'm doing that, uh, enjoying that too. Good exercise, looking to, uh, to improve, not necessarily by just going out and biking all the time and biking really hard, but by doing more structured, more scientific approach. Yeah, you know, when I got into this, people were very uh, adamant that if you wanted to get faster, you needed to ride with people who were faster. And so one person, there's a big group ride in, near our area uh, that there's probably at, at peak times, 50 people will show up and everybody will divide up based on ability. And so I showed up probably in June or July for the first time uh, my wife and I went, and she kind of got in a group that she could ride with at her pace, and I got in a group I could ride with. The, I, what I said to myself is, I'm going to get in the fastest group, and I'm going to get dropped, and I'm just going to keep doing this till I don't get dropped. And I'll tell you, some of my biggest gains were made because I realized just how fast I needed to be going. I also learned some bike handling skills. But now, like you said, from November to, to the end of December, I think it is important to have some time where you're riding for endurance, riding long rides. You know, you and I rode yesterday 75 miles, and, and we didn't average very fast, but enjoying time on the bike where you're not just totally consumed with 
getting fast is very important. And come January or February, uh, structured intervals and race pace and more days on the bike are important. But from November to, to the end of December, January 1, I think it's really important just to go out and enjoy riding, ride at a conversational pace, and just log as many miles as you can. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And it is, you know, we can forget the fun aspect of cycling. I've always enjoyed cycling, whether it's a very hard group ride or whether it's an easy pace. But especially in the winter, like like you said yesterday, we went we uh, went about, I guess, 16 miles an hour average pace, had some wind to go into. Headwind was not easy at all yesterday, but it was fun, and I enjoyed every bit of that. And I think there are some things you can do as well in the off-season. Uh, you don't have to, to work it going fast. You can work on your form, learn how to, how to pedal properly. Another thing you can do is work on your, your fit on the bike and make sure everything is good. Sometimes your fit will change from season to season so that you have time during the winter to do that. You're not so concerned about just killing yourself on the bike, trying to beat the next guy in front of you, that kind of thing. So you can do things like that. And I, I'd recommend looking into fit. And even if you can, it'd be best to go to a professional fitter. A lot of things you can do in the off season. Well, and, and I think also to be clear, you know, during the regular season, you're going to ride six to seven days a week if you want to really be fast on the bike. But in the off season, four days a week is plenty. If you ride four days a week and then you weight train, I, now I'm weight training four days a week. So there are some days we're overlapped. Yesterday we got back from our 75-mile ride. I took a nap, and then I went to the weight room. I think personally reading the book that we've been reading through Weight Training for Cycling, which you can get on Amazon and I'll put in the show notes, two days a week will maintain your strength. Four days a week is where you build strength. And clearly building strength is for the off-season. Now, some cyclists believe in circuit training. They don't believe in in you know, bodybuilding, getting strong. I, you know, I, I personally am taking a different approach this off season. I'm really trying to increase my strength, especially in my legs. And then in the, during the regular season, I'll work out two days a week. But right now what I'm trying to do is get four rides in a week and four weight training days in a week. Uh, and then, and then I'm throwing, and I've just started this, but then I'm throwing some yoga in there because I hate to stretch. And I'm going to tell you now, if you want to suffer, you do some yoga. That yoga is, is suffering and, and it lasts an hour or so. But I will say this, I, I felt more limber and I can tell that I've become more limber from, from doing the yoga. Yeah. I've never tried yoga. I, I do stretch after every exercise though. And that's, that's very important to me. You're quite a bit younger than I am, uh, Robert. So you you don't <laughs> you may not see the need for stretching. But as I've gotten older, I really really need to stretch. And I I might one of these days try yoga. But so so far, uh, stretching has done well for me. What uh, what are some of the specific things that you are doing in your your weight training? I know we're doing the same program, but talk about that for some of our listeners that may want a more specific idea of what we're doing. Yeah, John. So the book I have is called The Ultimate Guide to Weight Training for Cycling by a guy named Rob Price. And in the book, it has an off-season cycling program on page 14 and 15. And one thing he describes is that as 
as we work out, if we get in the same routine or rut, our body adapts. And so we don't see much improvement. So he, he recommends four weeks of endurance training, which is all 20 reps, exercises at 20 reps. And then he recommends after those four weeks to transfer into four weeks of power training, which is all high sets, low reps. So you might do uh, five sets on one exercise, but your, your reps might go eight, six, four, two, one. And then after the four weeks of that, I'm going to go back to endurance. And then after four weeks, back to power. Now, the, the program I'm on right now is in power. So I'm in my seventh week. So I didn't want a, a workout where I did all legs one day and all upper body the next because I didn't want to kill my legs. That way I could still ride. So the way he has this d divided up, the, the program I chose He's got a bunch of programs in the back, and you can pick the one you want under that category. The one I chose is half lower body, half upper body on each day, and you do it four days a week. So on, on Monday and Wednesday, I'll do bench, incline, military, then some forearms and glute hams, which is your back. And then on Tuesday and Thursday, I'll do squats, leg extensions, curls, bent over rows to work the back, and lunges. So you get, if you work each exercise Monday, Wednesday, then Tuesday, Thursday, you've gotten a full body twice that week. Uh, and I've noticed a huge increase. For example, I've been charting my weights on bench. And I started off, you know, and, and I used to, weightlifting-wise, I used to could lift a lot of weight, but I've been off the weights for about eight years, and I just started back. But I started off with a bench max of 120, and I'm up to 180 right now. So my bench max has increased 60 pounds in the matter of nine, uh, seven weeks. Uh, squats, I started off about 150, and right now I'm squatting about 250 comfortably. You know, none of this, first off, you need a, a partner or a spotter. But if you don't have one, you can't go too crazy with your weight. So sometimes I do have a partner, and sometimes I don't. All these weights I'm telling you are not max weights. They're comfortable maxes, which when I say comfortable max, I probably could do five or 10 pounds more, but I'm scared to try without somebody there spotting me. What I've basically been doing is four weeks of endurance where it's low rate, low sets, maybe three sets, but high reps. And I'm going to tell you that, that it really gives you a feel of getting a cardio workout in the endurance stage. And then I'm doing four weeks of power where it's low reps but high weight and many sets. Uh, and so that's where I am right now. What about you? We're doing uh, similar things. I actually have a different book than the have. It's uh, called Weight Training for Cyclists, a total body program for power and endurance by Ken Doyle and Eric Schmitz. And what he focuses on, he does uh, divide up the year in, I'm, I'm sure what your guy does too, you you divide up the year according to how you will be racing. And where you start off, you start off with the stabilization phase. You're going to do that for eight weeks. Then you do a strength phase. You're going to do that for another eight weeks. Then you do power. And you're going to do that for three weeks. And that'll get you prepped for the race season. Then you go into the maintenance phases. So what my author is doing right now, I'm not using a lot of weights at present, uh, what I'm doing is mostly body weight exercise. For instance, things like a single leg squat, 
which uh, I, it's been a while since I've lifted weights too. And I, I was amazed at how weak I've gotten. Those things are tough, <laughs> but uh, I am seeing improvement in that. Uh, doing a lot of core exercises too. I'm trying to do core exercises, abs basically, and some back exercises. Uh, doing that anywhere from four to six times a week, depending on what the amount of time that I have. The amount of workouts I will do will be anywhere from two to five per week, depending on the time that I have. And I've been to, he, now the author, uh, he recommends during the stabilization phase to work out two to three times a week, do your whole body in one session. But I've been breaking it up into two sessions because I can uh, use my time better that way. And then I'll go back. And so I'm working out maybe uh, four times a week, up to five times a week. Uh, but the core, doing that up to six. Well, in the core, you know, I think the core is up to everybody to choose on their own. In my book, he's got a lot of different exercises. What I've ended up doing is this Ab Ripper X from, from P90X, and I've been doing it every other day. Uh, so I hadn't been doing it trying to say three days a week or four days a week at just every other day. Uh, and one thing nice is I've noticed a big difference because it, it's really hard, just like in my book, it's really hard to work the lower abdominals and and then the core. And that Ab River X is not just an abdominal workout, it's a full core workout, which, which I like because in cycling, if you're going to have proper form, especially over long distances, you've got to have a very strong core. Yeah, yeah, and he emphasizes core also. I'm doing things like everybody's probably heard of the plank, side plank, the bird dog exercise, supine bridge, and a prone cobra. You probably could Google things and, and find those on YouTube or, or somewhere else. Basic core exercises. I don't think we're doing anything that that other weight training doesn't do. We're just being focused on cycling. We want to improve our cycling ability and there's a way to go about doing that. Right. So I'm not looking to become Arnold Schwarzenegger and, and become a, a huge man. I'm looking to become long and lean, replace as much fat with muscle as I can throughout and, and also continue endurance. You know, when you do, your endurance workouts for four weeks or eight weeks or however long, your heart rate is up for a long period of time. So I, I really feel like if you're a competitive cyclist, and, and now I'm a novice, and I hope everybody out there knows that I'm a novice, but everything that John and I are recommending, we've talked to Cat 2, Cat 3, Cat 1 racers, women and men, and these are the things they've recommended to us, and we've done a lot of research and reading. And we're, we're not the pros by any means, so if anybody has any recommendations, I welcome you to email them to us. You can find our email address on the website, cycletalkpodcast.com. Yeah, yeah. We, you, uh, you know, you, you've had some athletic training. Uh, you, you played college football, and, and you did some weightlifting there. So I know you have athletic ability. And, uh, you know, off the bike and, and now since you started cycling, of course, it shows on the bike as well. But, yes, yeah, it's it's, uh, it's really interesting that you mentioned that we're not trying to be Arnold Schwarzenegger because uh laughed to myself when you were talking about that. Because back when I a couple of years ago, I was overweight by about 25 pounds and, uh, you know, thought my arms looked pretty good, pretty strong. But then uh, now as I've been cycling more. 
I'm kind of getting excited about getting those skinny cyclist arms. It's really, <laughs> it's kind of a sick, sick sport, don't you think? <laughs> oh yeah, you, it, it's a strange sport where you want strength and lightweight. You know, even on the bike, you think about our bikes. We try to make our wheels as light as we can, but then as strong as we can at the same time. We want our frame to be as light as possible, but also we want it as stiff as possible. You know, it. But there is a you can do it. This is a cycling podcast, but my wife is a, a triathlete, and, and there's no doubt that swimming will help every part of cycling. Swimming will make you long and lean. It'll also be a complete endurance workout, a, a cardiovascular workout, and it'll also work muscles you didn't know you had. So I hope that people uh, in the off-season are really diversifying what they do. If all you do is cycle, cycle, cycle in the offseason, you're going to get burned out. You need to play some basketball, maybe go skiing or cross-country skiing or run or swim. You need to diversify. You know, we've got some friends here in town who do a lot of uh, racquetball. So make sure in the offseason you're getting your miles on the bike, but also make sure that you're, you're not so focused on improving that when you make it to May, you're burnt out and you just hang the bike up and don't ride anymore because that's not the reason for all this off-season training. Yeah, that's exactly right. And and when you mentioned if you do nothing but cycle, 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 not only you'll get you'll get burned out emotionally and physically, but you, you know, you your body just is not designed for cycling. So you've got to strengthen it because we're not meant to just lean over all the time like we do on the bike, you know, get aerodynamic. And so we have to make ourselves strong. All right. So, John, what about uh, a book recommendation you might have for people out there that are listening to the podcast? Well, yeah, we've talked about the book on weight training uh, by Ken Doyle and Eric Schmitz. That's a good one. I'm also reading the Cyclist Training Bible, uh, Cyclist Training Bible by Joe Friel, and I'd recommend that book. It's it's really good. I, I've enjoyed it. A lot of uh, technical reading, but I found that as I, if I hit on something that I don't understand, I'll put the book down, pick it up at a later time, go back over it, read it again, and it starts to make sense. And so I, I think, you know, it can be kind of technical, but it's a, it's a good book. I'm enjoying it, learning a lot from that, looking forward to putting those things into practice. practice. Can you give us just a little bit of a taste of some of the things, like you were talking to me about his Ten Commandments. Can you just give us one or two? Yeah, um, he's got everything. And these are just kind of, I guess, the, the basic foundation things that what you need to do to, to train for for racing. If you want to go fast, you want to race. Like commandment number one is train moderately. Number two is train consistently. Three, get adequate rest. Number four, train with a plan, which is something I didn't, I had no plan during my first two years of cycling whatsoever. I just, just rode uh, for training purposes, train with groups infrequently because you train better with your, uh, you know, you stick to your training p- plan if you're by yourself. Things like that, improve your weaknesses, listen to your body, those kinds of things, and, and set goals. Know exactly w- what it is that you want to do instead of just saying, like, uh, I want to go faster. Say, I- I'd like to go fast and win this particular race on such and such date. Things like that. Well, I like make a plan. You know, we talked with the bike shop owner that we were we went we visited yesterday, 
And one of the things he recommended was take a calendar that has the entire year and plot out your every single day up through October. So, And he said start in November and plot all the way to October of the next year and plot I'm going to ride this many days a week over these months. So one of the things he recommended was really from October to December you could do whatever you wanted. Enjoy your time on the bike, even enjoy your time off the bike. Uh, just don't lose your base. And then one of the things he recommended was starting in January, starting to ride harder. Basically increase the amount of miles, increase the amount of days. And then in March, beginning specialized workouts like intervals uh, to prepare for the cycling season. He recommended one day of intervals a week. He recommended one day of race pace riding per week during the season. Now, you can take that plan and you can shift it back a month or you can shift it forward a month based on what your needs are. If you don't plan to ride your first race till June, that sounds pretty good. But if you plan to ride your first race in February, you might have to back that whole thing up two or three months. So I, I really like that he says have a plan. Don't just go out and ride all you can ride and get basically when you just ride all you can ride without a plan, you're just making yourself tired. Yeah, that's exactly right. I, I can attest to that from personal experience. You know, I, I did get faster when I, when I started riding uh, uh, three years ago. You know, I started out at an average pace of maybe 15 and a half. And I, I thought that was moving along. Um, and, you know, I guess for a beginner, it's it's not bad. And I just rode a lot. I think I maybe did uh, something like 1,700 miles, which was a lot for me at that time. Uh, in a year and, and I got faster, you know, I'd see an average speed of about 17. And then I, I, in this past year, I saw average speeds of 18 and, and the, in this current year, I've seen average speeds of 19 and 20, which is not, you know, again, that's, we're not looking at average speed necessarily, but you can make gains. And that's the point I'm trying to make. Hopefully it's coming through. You can make gains just by riding but you can also make better gains by having a specific plan. And if you don't have a specific plan, it, you know, you might get better if you're, you know, they got great athlete, athletic genetics, you know, you'll get better, but you can get far better if you have a plan and stick with it. Well, and I, I agree with you a hundred percent. I think you can get better and I think you can get better with less time on the bike. In other words, I think, Old school cyclist, and, and I don't know for sure, and I'll probably get some reactions to that, but old school cyclists feel like if you're not on the bike, you're getting worse. And at t and that that logic go maybe in weightlifting would be if you're not lifting weights, you're getting weaker. And that's not necessarily true. I think sometimes your body needs time to recover and heal itself so that now you can continue to get better. And I think on the bike... Instead of feeling like you have to ride seven hours a day, seven days a week, if you do a good 45-minute interval workout where you have really exhausted your body, that may be just as good as a four-hour endurance workout if, if you do it within the weekly plan that you've set up for yourself. Yeah, yeah. It's like we were talking on the ride yesterday. It's, it's like knowing 
knowing what you want, what's your goal for right now? Like, like us as cat fives starting this, uh, this coming race season, uh, you know, we're not going to be riding very long distances, but we're going to be riding, you know, 30 miles or so, but at a pretty intense pace, obviously. And so we do need to ride long rides, but our focus right now needs to be on developing power uh, and also the, the ability to, to ride at our, you know, anaerobic levels, do all that kind of stuff. And we need to be working on that. And, and not only power over that 30 miles, but sustained power. You know, it's beginner, beginner cyclists, like my first uh, race last year, I could keep up the pace for the first half of the ride, but I wasn't able to maintain it for the entire 24 miles at this particular race, so I got dropped. And so that's, but at that point, all I had been doing was riding a lot. And so then I began interval training, and I really saw a jump in my average speed, but I also saw a jump in my ability to maintain that average for a longer period of time. And that, that's kind of what intervals does is it teaches your heart and your body how to react and how to respond and how to recover quicker. So when you get to that peak heart rate, it can recover itself faster. And I think that's what intervals teach you. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I, I agree with that. What the interval training that I've done. Yeah. You, you definitely see improvement. All right. So the movie recommendation that I've got is a movie called the flying Scotsman. If you've never seen it, it's just a movie about, uh, a retired cyclist who designs his own bike and basically reenters the professional cycling arena uh, not only does he re-enter it, but he sets the one-hour distance record and even goes on to become the national championship champion more than once. So it's a real good movie, The Flying Scotsman. You can get it. John, what would you get your copy for? Less than $5 on Amazon, right? Yeah, I ordered it from Amazon. I think total was it was under 6 It was 5 and change. Now let's move our focus into some technology. Uh, I, I One thing I wanted to talk about was Matt My Ride. I don't know if the listeners out there, when I was first beginning cycling, I saw all these neat maps with uh, the elevation on the bottom of the map, and I couldn't figure out how people were getting that. And finally, somebody told me about mattmyride.com. Uh, John, do you use Matt My Ride? Well, I tell you what, Robert, I... I, I use it only because uh, you and some of the other guys in our cycling cr club there locally use that to post rides. And before that, I didn't really use it. <laughs> um, it. It's not one of my favorites, but what it is pretty good for is is routing out where you want to go. And so I think it's good for that. It's free. You know, you can do that, share your your planned ride routes with your friends and that kind of thing. Uh, so I, I, you know, it's a helpful tool. I use Garmin connect uh, because I have a, uh, Garmin 500, uh, and, and I use ride with GPS and I like, I like both of those better than map my ride just for different reasons. You, you can record your, I don't know if you can record your ride data with map my ride. Do you know about that? Yeah. You, and you can even take your Garmin 500 data and import it in map my ride, just like you do with ride with GPS. It works just the same. The main feature that I use in Map My Ride is just like you said, map routing. You know, I'll sit down, like yesterday, we rode a route we had never ridden before, and I just sat down and I routed it from beginning to end. 
and we just we followed it exactly like the map showed so i love the routing part i love the elevation because as a beginner cyclist i can tell you i was looking for the flattest route i could find uh now that i've gotten into it i enjoy the hills not quite as much as you do but i do think that map my ride for routing is awesome the other way i use map my ride mainly is i there if you click on workouts at the top of the screen it'll show you your entire month and it'll tell you how many miles you've ridden that week that month uh, i also track all my workouts so when i do a weight workout or when i do ab ripper x or when i do yoga or when i go for a run see it'll track runs rides walks if i go play basketball i can even track it in there and that gives me a way to see, okay, yeah, I got my four workouts in this week. Instead of trying to think back, you know, how many times did I work out? Did I get my – so that's my main thing about it is I like being able to track my week by week. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, – I use Garmin Connect for that also, Have and, and it's really good for that. Like I can pull up what I've done this year or what I've done in the past week, past month, whatever time interval that I choose, it will uh, come up with a report of all the activities that I've done. I'm not a runner, but I understand that you can also record your running activities in Garmin Connect as well. So what about your Garmin 500? Do you like it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I love it. I, I'd recommend that to anyone, any kind of Garmin computer that records power. I don't currently have a power meter, but I plan to get one sometime probably in the next couple of years. I would definitely say if you're going to get a, a Garmin computer, definitely have one that, that will record your power when you decide to get your power meter. But yeah, I love it. It's great. Uh, very easy to synchronize your rides and analyze those post-ride. Um, I like the I like Ride with GPS. Uh, I, I've been using that for about two months, I believe now. And, and I really like that because it has more data that you can access than, than Garmin Connect. Uh, for instance, I, I like the fact that you can do a ride playback and you can look at every aspect of your ride over and it will uh, follow you on the map. So when you're looking at where you were, seeing your, your speed and your heart rate at a particular particular time, you can see that as it happens on the map. For instance, uh, the ride that we did yesterday, and uh, our listeners may may uh, chuckle at this, but we, we kind of sprint against each other at various points, uh, you know, try to improve our sprinting. And so yesterday we were, we were sprinting and wondering, well, how fast were we going? Because neither one of us were looking at our computers at that point. We were you know, waiting for our hearts to bust out of our chest kind of thing and trying to beat beat you. That's what I was trying to do. But anyway, um, so yesterday after the ride, I uploaded the data and was able to see exactly how fast we were going in the sprint, which is kind of neat, you know. You get to look at all that stuff, see that, oh, yeah, hit the maximum heart rate there because I was giving it all, all I had. Yeah, and, and I don't have a, a Garmin, but the next bike computer I get will definitely be the Garmin 500 because I've seen all the data it sends, and, and it's unbelievable the way that it'll show you your entire year mileage, your year average cadence, your year average heart rate. There's so much data 
that is useful that the Garmin offers that other bike computers just don't offer. And if you get like a Garmin 305, something you can put on your arm if you're a runner, you can just take it off your bike and go run and import that data as well, which it's real nice to be able to go from sport to sport and use the same device instead of having to have one device for running and one device for cycling. Well, let me give the listeners real quick all the information so that they can contact us. Uh, our website is cycletalkpodcast.com. Uh, they can contact us on Twitter or Facebook. On Twitter, we're at CycleTalk. Uh, on Facebook, we're The Cycle Talk Podcast, facebook.com slash The Cycle Talk Podcast. And listeners can also email us. Of course, all this information is on our website, but uh, listeners can email us at the address is cycletalkpodcast at gmail.com. Well, John, I really appreciate you coming on the show. I look forward to future shows. John, I appreciate you being on. Look forward to the second show. Yeah, yeah, it's been great, Robert. We've I've enjoyed it, and it, it's it's a lot of fun. So for our first feature here on Cycle Talk, we've invited Laura from the Frayed Laces blog to talk to us about her recent Ironman triathlon. Laura, tell us about how first you got into triathlons. Ah, well, you know, I kind of got involved in triathlons by accident. I started out as a runner. Um, I actually was not an athlete growing up at all. Um, I did my first 5k about four and a half years ago when I first moved to Hawaii. And I very quickly kind of got the running bug and decided to do do the Honolulu Marathon, and I thought it would kind of be like a one-time, you know, bucket list type of thing. But as I trained more and more, um, I just really got into it. And and then I started my blog. I started my blog in September, um, and I did my first marathon that December. So I started my blog, and I kind of blame my blog for making it not be a bucket list item. But um, I didn't know that I was developing a stress fracture as I was training for my first marathon. And I had some really weird pain uh, two weeks before the marathon. And I just kind of took those two weeks off and, and thought it was just a muscle thing and, and did the marathon anyways, despite the most excruciating pain I have ever been in. Um, and I didn't know any better, right? Because people always say, oh, your first marathon, it's going to hurt, expect to feel pain. You know, so I thought I thought what I was feeling was normal, but what I didn't realize was I actually had a stress fracture in my pelvis, and during the marathon, the bones were actually breaking. By the, by the time the marathon ended, I had a complete fracture in a bone. It's called the pubic ramus, and it's actually like a circular bone inside your hip. And um, I, I mean, I didn't know that I had this fracture, but by the end of the marathon, I couldn't walk. I finished the marathon, but I couldn't even lift up my leg. I passed out that night in the bathroom woke up and said, something's wrong. I think I need to go to the doctor. And it turns out the bone had completely broken into two. So when that happened, um, I had a really awesome doctor here through the university. And um, he basically encouraged me to, to pick up swimming because I couldn't run for three months, right? And so I just started swimming and biking and then quickly realized, oh, look, I'm already swimming and biking. Why not put it together with, with, with running and, and do a triathlon? And and it just kind of took off from there. So, Laura, focusing specifically on the bike, describe to us the training plan you followed and what different types of training you did to prepare for the 112-mile Sufferfest at Ironman Florida. 
Oh, specifically for my training on the bike, I did a lot of long rides. Um, the one, the one thing I've, I've learned about me as I've made kind of the switch to doing running to doing triathlons is that my strength is the bike. I mean, I, if you look at, at me and physically how I'm built, I'm not built to be a runner. I've never in my life been like a really skinny, willowy kind of person. You know, I'm, I'm, I call myself thick, but my non-triathlete friends laugh at me, but compared to most triathletes, I'm like, I'm on the heavier side. So I, even when I wasn't an athlete growing up, people asked me if I was an athlete, cause I've always kind of had just really strong muscular legs. So I think that because I'm heavier than my competitors, um, and just due to my body shape, I, I'm just naturally better on the bike. I mean, and if you look at all my races, I usually place almost at the top of my age group on the bike splits, regardless of where I finish overall. So I've always had bike strength. So as you were working to improve your speed on the bike, heading towards that triathlon, what were some of the things that you did besides just long rides? Did you do intervals or? Oh yeah. Lots of intervals. One of the best things I did this year was, um, I got a power meter. Um, I'm really fortunate. One of my sponsors is a uh, cyclops who makes the power tap. And so I got a power meter at the beginning of the season. And that for me was such an incredible tool because, you know, when you're running, you, if you use like a Garmin or a GPS device, you can track your pace, but it's on, on the bike. It's really hard to have an idea of pace. So the only thing that you can really use or the best tool is, is a power meter. And so once I got that power meter, um, to get to basically, I worked on improving, um, on improving my power levels, um, which is basically just your ability to hold certain watts for a certain period. And you want to obviously increase your watts. But I did that with really structured uh, trainer interval workouts, lots and lots. Even though I live in Hawaii, people, people think that's ridiculous. Why on earth would you want to ride on your trainer? Well, it's for safety reasons, mainly. I mean, think about it. If you ride outside, there's no way that you can that you can really focus on your intervals if you're if you're really foc if if you're on the road you cannot give 100% focus on giving as much that you can physically give on the bike if you're in traffic because dude that's really dangerous I mean I remember doing an interval once on the road and when I finished my interval I did not remember anything about the traffic and I said that was stupid you know I could have ridden right into the side of a car so um, I really love the trainer workouts because. You can just totally focus everything on your legs and just give it absolute everything. And you can literally collapse at the end of your workout and just fall off the trainer <laughs> onto your couch. You know, you don't have to worry about getting back home. So Cool. So can you spell out maybe two or three of your different trainer rides? Like maybe did you do 15 sets a minute on, a minute off? Or did you do uh, an eight-minute on, six-minute rest? Laura, if you don't mind, be specific in your intervals for the listeners at home. They're, they're going to hear intervals, but I want them to be able to take this and create a plan for themselves of, okay, so she did this, this, this. I might try this as well. You see what I'm saying? Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I'm going to, this is totally unendorsed because I'm not sponsored by this publishing this book or anything like that. But one of one of the best tools, one of the best books that I that I got when I first started, um, when I first got my bike trainer, it's this book called Workouts in a Binder for Indoor Cycling. And that book has tons and tons and tons of interval workouts that are really good ideas. And at the beginning of my season, 
I kind of did a lot of variation in those. I did shorter, shorter intervals to work on, um, you know, my power at the beginning of the season. I wanted, you know, the absolute raw power, not endurance power. Um, so you can kind of, you kind of adjust it to your season, right? So at the beginning of the season, I did a lot more shorter intervals, but as my season progressed, almost all of my interval sessions were like two times 20 minutes at, at what we call FTP, which is your, your, um, it's a specific power level for those of you who have power meters, you know what that means. Um, and those, in my opinion, those intervals are the worst possible intervals that you can do. But I have a philosophy when it comes to training. And my philosophy is the more a workout sucks, the better it is for you. So even though those, those workouts were awful, I knew that they were helping. And I could really actually see that, that progression as I saw my, my wattage going up and up um, as the season progressed. So, so two things real quick. First, where did you get that book? I got that book off of Amazon. They also make, I think, like swim workouts in a binder. It's really great because the pages, I have it in front of me right here. The pages are all like laminated so you can put it in front of you. And when you fling sweat everywhere or vomit or whatever you fling during your workouts, you don't have to worry about getting the book messed up. So it's my book is pretty tattered because I've been using it for a long time. But it's a really great idea, too, if you if you don't have a coach and you don't someone hasn't said specifically do this workout, you know, if you read at the beginning of the book, they give you tips on how to structure a season and what workouts to do when and that kind of thing. And, and I really, it was recommended to me by, by a friend when I first started uh, with my trainer, um, with my indoor trainer. And um, I, I really recommend this book to anybody. It's, it's a really good book. All right. So just now you described uh, a workout two by 20. Can you be specific when you did that workout? How long did you warm up? What, were were you doing twenty minute intervals at how much of a break in between each interval? Can can you get be specific? Uh, when once somebody gets on the bike, this is what they do. Okay, you're wow, you're really asking me to use my memory. All right, let's see. I well, you always want a good warm up, of course. I mean, first of all, for safety reasons, and secondly, your your muscles just can't perform if you're not worked up properly. So, um, I definitely I would warm up for at least twenty minutes, and I think a few. Within those 20 minutes, it would just be kind of regular endurance pace, and there'd be a few what I'd call pickups where you go like one minute at the the wattage that that you want to do for your for your 20 minute intervals because you want to kind of get your legs used to going at that speed and that resistance. Um, so it would be about a 20 minute warm up, and then the 20 minutes at at that that high power level, and then um, the time in between. Oh, I cannot remember. You definitely have a rest in between. I think I kind of, I did that kind of by feel. It was based on how tired I was after the first interval. Um, if I if I felt really good, I'd give myself just like a 10-minute rest. If I was really exhausted, I would give myself like a 20-minute rest and then go into the next interval. All right, so say somebody listened to this is a beginner cyclist that is headed into their first season of racing, and they've never done intervals. Uh, and an interval that's 20 minutes long is probably going to be tough for them to keep up. What would you recommend just to get them started, maybe their first interval ever or their first or second interval, just just to uh, get a taste for intervals and work their way to 20 minutes? Sure, yeah. I think, well, the whole idea with an interval, especially if you're just starting out, is it, it's the same kind of philosophy with, with running intervals, is that you want, it's just basically a way that you're pushing your body a little bit harder, right? And with the time of your intervals, as you become more of an experienced cyclist, the time of your intervals um, is in inverse proportion to the effort. So the shorter the interval, 
the harder your effort should be. So the idea, the idea is at the end of each interval that you should have ex- you should have spent most of your energy possible. And if you end up, if you finish an interval and you're you're like, wow, this is great, this is easy, I could do this all day. Obviously, you didn't go hard enough. But at the same time, if you end, if you have two. You have two 20-minute intervals to do, and you end the first one, and you say, there's no way I can do a second one. Well, you went too hard. So for a beginner, what I would recommend is that you just kind of get used to to pacing. Just, you know, don't have any huge goals for your intervals. Start off with maybe five-minute intervals. Do like two or three five-minute intervals with a five- or ten-minute break in between each one. And just get used to the feeling of pushing your body just a little bit into that uncomfortable zone because that's what you want. That's where you get the most benefit from training wise is if you're in that zone where you're like, uh, this really isn't comfortable. I could not do this all day. And so that's what I would recommend if you're just starting out. All right. So tell us real quick, a little bit about you and then, uh, how can people follow you on Twitter? What's your blog? Give us your information. Sure. All right. So, um, I'm a graduate student. I'm just about to finish up my PhD here in Hawaii. And um, I am a ultra runner, triathlete, definitely more of a triathlete person now. Um, just kind of loving life here in Hawaii and, and, and taking advantage of every opportunity I have. And uh, I definitely have a lot of my tagline is follow me as I go through the emotional ups and downs of training and racing. And anybody who's been reading me for a while definitely knows that's true. I'm, I can be like a roller coaster at times um, when it comes to training. But I, I think I like to think that I'm genuine when I talk about my training and racing. I don't try to sugarcoat anything. I just talk it how it is. So if you're interested in reading more about me, I have a blog. It is uh, frayedlaces.blogspot.com. That's F-R-A-Y-E-D-L-A-C-E-S. And if you want to follow me on Twitter, it's frayed underscore laces. All right, and I'll put all that information in the show notes at the end of the show.